0: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Creative Process Podcast with myself, Jared Klein. This is episode twenty-three, and obviously by the title, this is part two with the uh, the main man, Brian Gundell. Brian, how you doing today?
1: Good, Jared. Thanks for having me back, man.
0: No problem, no problem. I mean, we talked about this a little bit post recording last time about having a part two, and we thought it'd be a good idea. Um, you came up with a good idea posting like on Twitter to get some questions. Um, unfortunately, not as many questions as we thought it was going to get, but eh, it happens. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I think we have some uh, some good points to kind of talk on. So, I mean, do you just kind of want to go right into it, or what do you think?
1: Uh, you, I mean, this is how we did it last time. I'm I'm easy. That's true. However, you want to do it, it's cool with me. That's true.
0: Okay, well, we will start off then, kind of going right into it. Um, so first. Uh, thing this is from Garrett Little um, at Garrett Little GD on Twitter how do you go about designing brands that not only function and look good but are flexible and have longevity for example he gives Dunkin Donuts rebranded to just Dunkin as they serve more products than just donuts the brand now doesn't limit them to what they could do Uh,
1: great question um, mm, very good question. I, I, you know, that's that's always it, it's a very design school question. No, no disrespect to Garrett or, or anything like that, but it's really like if people designed brands that lasted through time, everybody would have an, a Nike swoosh or an Apple logo mm-hmm. um, or an IBM. Um, but you know, that's just not realistic. Um, I don't think anymore these days, uh, especially with the rise of social media and and the the consumer platform for feedback and um, change that happens. I mean, I think I think companies and brands are ever evolving, mm-hmm. and I think their visual their brand identities reflect that. I mean. We, we've seen now the, the rise of the Cleveland Guardians, which, you know, 10 years ago would have been absolutely unthinkable. How could you touch one of the most classic brands in, in all of Major League Baseball, something that's been around since the 1940s? Uh, well, uh, culture shift happened. Uh, you know, people finally came around to the concept that having a, a mascot that was, you know, that had racist overtones probably wasn't a good thing anymore. Um, and and I'm not, I'm not, you know, taking a stance on any of that one way or another, whether you like the, the, the rebrand, whether you like (laughs) the rationale behind it, it's neither here nor there because it happened and it largely happened due to overwhelming public consensus and pressure. So I think the idea of brands standing the test of time, quote unquote, is all but, fallacy any longer and and even if you look at companies like nike or apple like they do so much with their brand to tweak it and evolve it without really evolving it. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, even the Dunkin' brand, they dropped the name, but that wasn't an identity shift. That was they just dropped donuts off their name. Uh, largely, their identity remained the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brand colors stayed the same. Their type choices remained the same. Their packaging largely stayed the same. They just removed donuts out of the name, and that was a decision that had no bearing on on creative whatsoever. That was all coming from a corporate standpoint so to create that you know you you have to have buy-in from executive leadership down and you have to have such thought about the longevity and future and even at that it's not even a guarantee because you know keeping on duncan's as an example Mm -hmm. what happens if they merge with starbucks and, you know, and we've seen that time and time again. Look at United Airlines and Continental Airlines; they, they the two airlines merged, and they like halvesied their brands together. Hmm. They like Frankenstein their two brands together. They kept the icon from Continental Airlines and the type from United, and all the shitty service from United. Um Unfortunately, yeah. So <laughs> like, that was so like even with that, like you, you, there's nothing foolproof that you can do to, to do that. So, I you know, that's, that might feel like a little bit of a cop-out answer um, especially to Garrett, who was trying to, to think about that. But at the end of the day, like you just do your best, <laughs> you know, you, you, you avoid things that are that are trendy in the moment um, and you, you really focus on what's core to the brand and, and what's core to the to the message and, and what they're doing when you do it. And that's mm-hmm. all you can really do.
0: I, w- I kind of thought about this when he, when he said it and I like when he um, I guess tweeted it and I took it like super face value like I didn't really think much deeper than basically just evaluating which brands like did do something similar to this and it was just solely like you mentioned based off of um, them adapting to you know whether it be trends or whether it be their consumers interest or whether they see an avenue to go in that's a little bit more advantageous for their business side of things like I don't think People, I don't think you can predict that um, when you're designing a brand at the start. Um, I think Nike and Apple do it so well because, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess using a technolo- like a technological company like Apple as an example for this is kind. Of, I don't really, I don't see where they would go like in this scenario. I mean, they their evolution is in their product. They don't really have to rebrand their company right
1: so okay but they have over (laughs) the years i mean if you look at, at at the history of of the apple branding they have evolved they have they have changed their logo they have tweaked they've tweaked the apple icon itself they've changed their typography They've changed their brand color scheme. Like they used to be, the Apple used to have a rainbow mm-hmm. that, that was inside of it. And, and their original, lo- have you ever seen the Apple original logo? Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was like this engraving of Isaac Newton. And like, uh, it was just absolutely, it was not a logo. Um, so it's like, even they they are not immune to that. You know, the Nike, Nike swoosh has subtly evolved. And and that's just it. Like it seems like it hasn't done anything, but the same same sort of thing. They had the the they had the word Nike in a sans serif um, or in a in a serif script typeface um, that was always present with the swoosh mm-hmm. when they were first getting going. Because again, nobody knew what what the swoosh was back then. And then they went to the uh, you know Futura oblique word mark that they always put with it. And then you know. 35 years into being Nike with large apparel deals and, and you know, Michael Jordan wearing the swoosh, they finally were able to drop Nike out of that. So even they like like the swoosh hasn't changed much, but it
0: has changed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next one. Um, this one is from Hayden Joyner, um, Hayden J. Design on Twitter. Has there ever been a time where your vision and the client's vision were very different? And if so, how did you com- compromise or decide what to do? This is it's very- a really easy one. Yeah, I was going to say. It's
1: a real easy one. Uh, yes, all the time. <laughs> and I did what the client asked because they're the one signing the check.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true that's
1: that's that's the
0: short version of the answer um i guess in a way go into how you could talk i guess to a client that doesn't you know think like designers do i know this is very cliche like how do you talk to a client that doesn't know design and their changes or their requests you know wouldn't look good I guess I guess where's the line where's the line you would draw there in that scenario yeah
1: so so one of the big key factors with all of this is is having rationale um, and, and having reasoning usually a lot of times when you're dealing with something that's fundamentally different um, from you know your vision versus you know a client's vision it's on a it's on a big project that's going to get a lot of eyes so mm-hmm something like that tends to have a concept behind it so being able to showcase the rationale of the concept is is really a, a good way to go with that um at the end of the day a lot of mistakes that i've seen designers make is to make the the argument be about design technical points um oh well you know you want the visual rhythm or you want the hierarchy or, you know, you want to make sure that there's enough white space and, and the client doesn't give a shit. Like mm. at the end of the day, like, they want their phone number on there and they want it to be big because that's the thing they need people to do to convert that from an advertisement to a sale. So the other thing you can do, if you can't, if you're you not in a situation where you're dealing with something that's, you know, high concept driven, I would talk to, And I have, I've used this technique is to talk to clients about their end goal. Like, what are you trying to get somebody to do? Are you trying to get them to go to a website? Are you trying to get them to make a phone call? Are you trying to, to drive engagement? Like, what is the most important thing on this communication? And, you know, so often you hear, well, it's all important. Well, okay. No, it's not (laughs) like, Let's let's talk macro and work our way down to micro. Like, what do you want people to see first, and then what do you want them to see? So so you can start walking them through those. You know, what we would talk about in design terms. You know, hierarchy, rhythm, uh, focus, white space, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And and again, you can talk them through that, but without using technical jargon, because all that's going to do is piss them off. coming back to, to something that's concept driven, like a brand or, you know, like a poster or something like that. Again, having, having that concept kind of first and forefront is really a good way to kind of drive the conversation. It's like, well, I don't like this. Okay. Well, why don't you like it? Is it because you don't like the aesthetic or because you don't like the concept? And if you don't like the aesthetic, here's why this aesthetic works within the concept. Um, the other big thing that I would say on either side, whether it's, you know, just something more production wise or something more conceptual, um, present options and don't be so inflexible, um, you know, cause at the end of the day, like you're trying to serve their needs
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and, and that's, that's another important thing to really kind of tease out of the communication is like, what are you trying to accomplish with this? Um, And asking questions is is a really good way to get to that. Um, So, you know, I've done things where I've had somebody ask me for a bunch of changes that were absolute garbage and nonsense. And I did those, but I did a second version where I did my interpretation of those changes from a, a, you know, more technical design focused input. Mm -hmm. And I put them side by side. I said, here's exactly what you asked me for. Here's what you asked me for, but here's how I would do it from the, and doing so with, you know, these rationale or these reasons behind it. Mm-hmm. Which do you like better? And 50 50, you'll get them picking their hunk of garbage. And 50% of the time, they'll get, you know, they'll go, oh, yeah, no, what you did is that's way better. If you get somebody who says that, man. <laughs> you just won the game because that person will more often than not trust your instincts because you've shown them you know side by side why what they wanted didn't work as well as what you were giving them but you being willing to do to try that and to to go through that exercise with them shows them that you're willing to listen to them so they don't think that you're just you know being the asshole artist who is like oh well I know better than you and you should just go back and do your sales thing and I'll do my art thing okay that is the worst way to to handle these sorts of situations and then you'll get the turds who are like yep no my thing looks great and and you just you just check the box that it's done you send it out the door and you don't ever think about it ever again
0: hmm <laughs> Never sees the light doing? of day on your, with don't your name on it. it. Your, yeah, <laughs> just,
1: you don't put your name on it. You don't attach your name to it. They're happy. They leave you alone and you move on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Thankfully I'm in that, I'm in that kind of situation now um, to where like some things, some things that I work on, you know, aren't super like, like it, I don't, I don't get to the end product and I like it, but it, suits the needs of what the purpose of it is you know like in that scenario so it's like yeah you're gonna bite your lip or i bite my lip all the time and it's like but it you know it does its job you know so
1: i think that's that's an important perspective to maintain is that you know at the end of the day if if you're not thinking and approaching design as something that is service oriented Mm -hmm. you know this this is not something you're creating for you you are creating this for somebody else with somebody else's intentions and um, business in mind. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I say business, but, you know, if you're working for a team, that can be, you know, community relations, that could be corporate sponsorships, that can be, those are all their businesses. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so corporate, like corporate partnerships, their goal is to sell partnerships. Community affairs is to drive engagement within the community and foster a relationship between um, the team, the fans and the community. Um, that's, but that's still their business. That's their job. And your job is to help them do their job better. Mm-hmm. If you're doing this for yourself to make pretty pictures and cool shit with sports, you need to be doing art, not design.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a really good way to put it. Um, okay. So this, I'm, I'm going to build a scenario. Um, so you get into a situation where I guess I'll read verbatim what I have, but then I'll explain. (laughs) Okay. All right. How would you approach the situation where you go into an already established brand that doesn't have any set in stone brand guidelines from from a design standpoint? And the reason I want to build the scenario is I want to put emphasis on communication (laughs) in this scenario and also where you as the designer has I guess has some leeway to ask questions or even you know um, understand it to the best of your ability. Like how far can you go, you know, in that scenario? Yeah. To...
1: Well let's let's define things a little bit here. What what are we talking about with with brand guidelines? Are we so, talking about brand identity standards or are we talking about campaign guidelines?
0: So I guess I would say, like, the most you have is logos and colors. No consistent typefaces, no consistent photo treatment, no consistent, you know, different layout, consistent layouts, stuff like yeah. that. So
1: that that's a campaign guideline. Um, that's a campaign guideline. That's not a brand standards guide. And the reason okay. you, you want to separate the two is because you don't want to be locked into that same photo treatment, the same typefaces, that same type treatment year after year after year after year because those are your brand standards. Mm -hmm. you want your brand standards to be set in stone. you do want those to be set in stone. this is our primary logo this is how you use our primary logo don't fuck with our primary logo and don't change the goddamn colors these are the colors don't fuck with them don't substitute them this is how you do it in pantone this is how you do it in cmyk this is how you do it in rgb Bible. Like that is, that is the word partners. Do not fuck with this. Do not change this. Do not, you know, broadcasters, partners, uh, apparel don't fuck with this. This Mm -hmm. is the standard. You do not change that. When you're talking about photo treatments and, and uh, styles and patterns and textures and, and graphic treatments, that's a campaign style guide and that should change that should be done you know every so often i you could do one for every season i would say i like to go in three-year cycles where you have year one is like the the start of the look and then years two and three you kind of evolve and, and graduate and then then you get to something where you do something new again in that, that fourth year um but that way you know you can keep the same Family of typefaces, and you can keep you know maybe carry over a texture or a style or mm. something like that, and mm. you know not have to reinvent the wheel every every year, which is a lot of work, um, and also helps build your your fan recognition when you're dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an entirely different beast, um, and and a, again, that's why I asked for definitions in the, at the beginning because you don't want them to be the same document. You mm-hmm. do not want them to be you know set in stone because. 10 years down the road, boy, you're going to get real sick of that same font <laughs> over and over and over and over again. Um, and so will your fans. So it, it starts to, to get too repetitive. So you need to be able to have the flexibility to keep that um, um, fresh. Yeah, can we pause for a second? My daughter's calling me to say goodnight. Yes, we can. All right, hang on one second. What was I, what was I saying? So
0: we were talking about um actually let, let me kind of let me kind of build this back in okay okay we are back we are back um we were talking about let's see the question was how would you approach the situation where you go into an already established brand identity which we kind of put we separated brand standards and um campaign style guide Mm -hmm. Um, into that and you were talking about a um like your how you treat like a campaign style guide like in three-year segments um those type of things and we were talking from a designer standpoint how would you communicate you know leeway um how would you communicate over kind of in that situation coming in dry pretty much um let's see if i can remember what you were starting to say, I can't remember. Yeah, no, that's a good place
1: to pick it up from, because um, I was going down a rabbit hole, and uh, I'm, I, this will pull me out of it. So, so to now that like we've kind of established the definitions of, of a campaign guide versus a brand side style guide, I think what the other thing that separating the two out allows you to do is to have more play within a campaign style guide um, because it's. It's not the hard and fast rule. It's it's a guide, um, whereas you know a brand identity manual it is standards like mm-hmm. this is how you always do things, um, and, and that campaign guide can allow you to have a little bit more freedom. Like, hey, here's our patterns, here's our textures, here's our colors, um, here's our type treatment that we're we're currently using, but within that, like, here's how you build some of those things. But it's it's not you know you have to do this or else. Um, but when you're trying to come in and, and, like, explain why that's important to an organization, which is, I think, the other part of the question you were asking, yep. right? Yep. Um, it's it's really all about just creating uh, brand recognition and, and doing so through visual consistency. So those are the two key phrases. Visual consistency, brand recognition. recognition. Um, so you basically want to convey anytime a consumer for lack of a better term is viewing your your brand they're seeing a consistent background type placement of of elements so that it becomes recognizable and again it doesn't always have to be the same but if there's familiar elements that you you know chop up and turn around and and move about like you essentially, at the end of the day, want to have a Twitter post, an Instagram post, your website, uh, a TV spot, all have those same kind of visual, you want them to have the same visual language mm-hmm. so that uh, somebody who sees your TV commercial and then sees a billboard and then sees your tweet goes, oh, I recognize that just from you know the background image alone. I know mm-hmm. instantly that's this team or brand. Um, so that's what you're trying to do. So building that brand recognition, which then um, will help drive sales and, and engagement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. Brand I mean, recognition through visual consistency.
0: Yes. In a in a in a nutshell, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess, like for me personally, that's been um, like even when I was in like started designing in 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 high school and everything, um, being able to figure out how to develop a system like that, that aids in, you know, yes, developing that initial look, but also aids in the, um, the swiftness and I guess seamless kind of, you know, implementation of that look. Um, that's been something that's, Oh wow. And honestly, it's, yeah. pro- it's probably understanding what I can utilize in the programs I use to make that possible, which I have you know, figured out some ways like, but one thing I haven't figured out yet is using libraries in Photoshop or in Adobe in general. Uh, yeah. I, I, get, I get, those the, type of things.
1: Yeah. I, I think the idea of libraries is, is better than the execution has turned out. If um, <laughs> you have any sort of disconnect from, from your internet connection or, I mean, those things drop out all the damn time. Um, and I also don't like them because I, um, if you try and it gets really hairy when you edit elements or add things to it, they're like they get messy in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I like the idea of the library, the concept of, of the Adobe libraries is just beautiful. And, and, um, essentially I work in the same way, uh, but locally on my, my local hard drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or if you're on in a team environment, it would be on like a shared drive. Yep. Um, so it's it's really about working smarter and not harder, uh, and and utilizing, you know, just being organized. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, like I think you touched on this a little bit. Um, not only will those those campaign elements allow you to have that brand recognition, but your speed to market is a lot faster because those those elements then you know once you create them you can you can save them in such a way that they're easy to reuse and repurpose and and create something really really fast so that now you're talking instead of having to every single time you you make something make something completely from scratch you've got your texture saved you've got your background color saved you've got your your logos saved all in a common you know location so that Mm -hmm. building that is you know Super fast. Yep. No idea if people could hear me snapping or not. Um, <laughs> I heard it. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then utilizing smart objects. So like if you have a background design um, that you use for everything, like it's it's a texture o- over a color. Like doing something even as as simple as make that at a really large size at a print resolution. So you know your background graphic is. 11 by 17 at 300 DPI, for example. Mm-hmm. You can then place that into pretty much any document um, and scale it down and not have resolution issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and your background's done. That's, you know, place size done. That's all you have to do. You don't have to find your texture, place your texture, set your blending mode. Um, you know, over your, your color or whatever, you know, however you build it, like it's, it's already built, you built it one time, and then you just use it over and over and over and over, and over again. Mm-hmm. And if you do that for all of the elements in your campaign, all your banners, all your ribbons, you know, all your textures, all your patterns, all of that stuff, if you have those pre-built and all you're doing is just placing and then sizing and moving around, it speeds up your process way more.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, I love the, I love the explanation on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a feeling this was going to be a short one, just solely based off of <laughs> the, uh, the amount of, I guess, questions we had, but they were good questions. Um, I think they, they were good questions. I think you touched on some really good, um, I guess you explained and, you know, articulated the answer to these questions and to these situations really well. So I think the people listening, um, got a lot of great information, um, from this. Um, and I think doing this, honestly, I think I might do this in the, in the future again, like having a person on and then maybe a question and answer, um, as a part two, potentially, I think, I think this went decent. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do you have kind of like any, let's see, any, I don't know how to word this question. That's the problem. Most of the time, just blurt it out. You know, it's trust your gut. Let's see. Um, going into sports, I guess let's not do sports. Going into a design job, fresh into it. Um, excluding you know freelance out of it. You're an employee. You're a designer mm-hmm. for an organization. Yeah. How would approaching, I guess, to set yourself up to understand the, um, what you're getting into, how would you approach that situation the best? Like, what methods are, like, what would you do going in fresh just kind of to take in? Yeah, to kind of adapt to the situation as yeah, much that, that's, as possible. Yeah, that's that's a good
1: could. good question, and and it's it's a good kind of segue from you know, the other one that you were talking about, like coming in talking about brand guidelines. I think one of the things that I see often is people will start a new job as a designer, and they'll want to they'll want to tear everything down and start fresh, um, and and that's because you're excited, and and ostensibly you've been told. you know, when you're hired, oh, we, you know, we like what you do. We want you to help us push our brand forward. And we think you can help us do that for all these reasons. So you get into there and you think I'm going to come in and I'm going to put my creative stamp on this company, team, brand, whatever, you know, where I've been hired. And, and that is just shooting yourself out of the starting gate. It's, it is it is because we are passionate people it is because we want to make the world a visually better place than we left it um you know it's because we're always striving to improve ourselves our work and where we work and those around us that we come in you know guns blazing and i think it's really easy to fall into that trap of you know coming in and saying all right this is what we're going to do we're going to tear everything down we're gonna start fresh and do everything brand spanking new and and the people that have been there are are going whoa 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 whoa. we like what we have like Mm -hmm. it's working for us why would whoa there hoss (laughs) (laughs) and all of a sudden you know you've created conflict from the get-go without intending to um (laughs) so i i think the best approach that that i would encourage people to do is just learn as much as you can about the organization you're working for, Mm -hmm. whether that's a sports team or whether that's a, you know, John Q company or, or or a fortune 500 company, learn as much as you can about the brand, learn the history, um, learn the demographics, try and also learn the, the business goals. Um, and and really familiar so familiar so familiarize <laughs> there you go <laughs> too many late nights uh familiarize yourself with all of the other the rest of the business outside of design because you will do your job better if you understand what the company is trying to do again this this could be for a sports team or otherwise if you understand that that you know with a sports team since you know that's most of who who's listening to this or they're mm-hmm. dealing in from a sports angle if you know your team is shitty and has been shitty for years and is struggling for ticket sales go talk to the ticket people and find out like what are they trying to do to sell tickets because they're they're like they're doing everything they can to to make do their job as good as possible with a shit product on the field. And nobody in the front office has any control over anything that happens out on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, So understanding that will help you approach your design in a different way than if you were just trying to make something look cool. Mm -hmm. Because you can make the coolest thing in the world, but if you don't sell tickets with it, ain't nobody gonna give a shit and you're not doing your job right. So really understanding the brand, is, is I think key. And, and then once you understand the brand, it's, where it's coming from and what, what its goals are, and you can kind of dive into that um, design the visual history, visual mm-hmm. language and, and see kind of what they've done, where they're at now, which again, understanding that will help you go, okay, do we need a complete teardown overhaul ground up rebuild or are, are there things that are working that we need to tweak or is it working and do i just need to to really embed myself and and become an expert in this brand so that when it comes time to to tear down and rebuild or or evolve mm-hmm. i at least know what the fuck i'm talking about mm-hmm. does that make sense
0: yeah 100 percent. that makes that makes a lot of sense
1: it's it's a hard thing to do to have that kind of self patience. It's also hard to do when you're thrown in the deep end and you got to start, you know, giving deliverables on day one. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 also easy for me to kind of you know sit here and go, okay, if I was you know talking to to me at twenty, <laughs> what would I tell myself and 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 you know. I can also know that 20 year old me would be like fuck you old man like i'm gonna do what i want like i'm gonna i'm gonna change shit i'm just out of college and i'm ideal and i haven't been cynic- cynicized yet like i'm not i'm not i'm not burned out and cynical and, and hate the world
0: so um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty rash you went right you went
0: straight to worst case there
1: No, that well i've been around the block i've seen i've seen how the world works and and it you know just Mm. changes how you approach things and and you know i know when i was younger i was just getting started out i i was that idealist i was gonna i was gonna change the world i wanted to change the world and now Mm. i'm very comfortable you know working within what's there in front of me and Mm. and saying okay what can i do on on you know this level rather than you know blowing everything up and and being you know a banksy or or somebody a, a disruptor like I don't think you need to do that mm-hmm. plus you'll ruff, you'll ruffle fewer feathers and you'll have an easier time from a day-to-day standpoint you know showing that you actually give a shit um is good but it's also it's 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 kind of playing the game because doing that level of research and understanding the business goals the exterior perception is you know oh like they really care about the brand and they care about what we do and so you know they're going to be great to work with and you know they really they're a company person that's great really all you're doing is trying to just make your job as easy for you as possible Uh like if you understand if you understand what other departments are going to ask you for it just makes your life easier Uh then then you're not surprised when ticket sales comes and says we really want to do an email campaign you're like email campaign come on why aren't we doing like you know 100 foot billboards in times square email campaigns (laughs) You know what's coming. So you go, okay, I'm ready for this email campaign. I have ideas.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have anything else off the top of my head right now. Um I know if I have any anything else, I'll probably just DM you. <laughs> but but for the sake of for the sake of us recording right now, I don't have anything else. Fair enough. So <laughs> I think it was good. I think it was really good. Again, I'll, I'll reiterate. I think the, the people that listen to this have got a lot of valuable information. Um, because yes, you can sit and like take notes on like a very informative, but this was more situational, um, and mm-hmm. more kind of adaptive towards, I guess, cura- I guess specific questions given to, you know, people that were interested rather than out of a textbook or something like yeah. that. So, um, I think it was awesome. Yeah. um, for the leave, list no go oh, go go I, I
1: was gonna say I'll, I'll leave your listeners with
0: this and I kind of touched on this on our, our, our first conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm a believer in, in that there's no set way to do anything um, and trust your trust your gut so you know I, I've been spouting a lot of things off uh, in, in, you know tonight and and, and and you know the last episode and I was on and, and if that stuff works for you, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm happy because I, I genuinely hope it does help people. But at the end of the day, like if you try it and you're like, fuck this Brian and Dell guy, like that, that, <laughs> that's bullshit. Good for you. Like, honestly, I, I really do think that there's no, there's no set way. There's no one answer. I mean, it's kind of like what I was saying about the, the brands that last forever kind of a thing. I don't think there's, a, that's a thing. Um, and, and I think there's no one path to success in this business. There's no one path to, to really anything. Um, and so if you're out there and you're just struggling with the grind or you're, you know, trying to figure it out and you're, you're struggling, like it's okay. Uh, try things if they work great, keep doing them. And if they don't, it's okay. Try something else. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. huh for sure. I love that. All right. Well, I guess we'll close it out then. This mm-hmm. has been episode 23 of the creative process podcast. Again, I, I liked, I liked this kind of question and answer. I think to get more out of it, it needs to be a routine. So then people realize, Oh, it's a part two. send questions in for the person that's going to be on and kind of, you know, go from there. But I, yeah. I, I did like, I did like how this, how this ended up. Um, if you guys want to connect with Brian, all his stuff will be down below in the description. If you listened to episode, I think, what was it, 21, I think you were mm-hmm. on. Yep. So um, if you want to go there now, <laughs> if you missed that, <laughs> listen to that. Um, it was an awesome episode. Um, but, but yeah, I guess we will see you guys next time in episode 24. And as always, tell someone that you love them. All right. Peace, guys. Take it easy.